Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and today our guest is Peter Polk, executive producer of the Thai West films X and Pearl, whose collaboration with West goes back to student films they made while attending the School of Visual Arts in New York City many years ago. He's also executive produced plenty of non-Thai West films, including the Netflix hit 1BR, which we talked about in an early episode of this very podcast. And he has his own production company, Poke Productions. If you haven't seen it, Pearl is incredible. One of my favorite movies of the year. It's co-written by Ty West and Mia Goth and tells the origin story of one of two women Mia Goth played earlier this year in X. Sometime soon, maybe next year, we'll also get Maxine, the third film in the trilogy, which follows the other character Goth plays in X. I know that's confusing, but if you haven't gotten into the X universe, it's worth it. In this episode, we talk with Polk about the making of X and Pearl, how he supervised post-production remotely, how the two very different films which pay homage to different eras of filmmaking were shot with the same camera, the Sony Venice, Mia Goss Oscar prospects, and much more, including Peter Polk's dream project, which is set in the stars. Born in 1981 in New York City to parents from Cambodia, Peter Pope fell in love with movies very early, as he's about to explain. But first, he's going to dispel a myth about Pearl that I've been hearing everywhere. I like the Jesselnick and Rosenthal Vanity Project, a very funny comedy podcast, where, listening to that podcast not half an hour ago, I heard one of the hosts say that Pearl was made for a million dollars. That is not true. Not true. I'll let Peter Pope tell you all about it in just a moment. Here's Peter Pope. Peter Polk, it is such an honor to speak with you here on Movie Maker because you have executive produced two of my favorite movies of this year. I just saw Pearl the other night and it is gorgeous and not at all what you expect in a horror movie. Just so beautifully done. And I keep seeing, I just want to get this out of the way because I keep seeing that the budget for this movie was a million dollars and watching it, I couldn't understand how that could possibly be possible. Is that anywhere near accurate? I don't think that's true at all. No, yeah, I think that's Pearl. No, absolutely not. Yeah, uh, okay. We had a little, a little bit more than a million dollars to make the film, um, but uh, yeah, really grateful for our partners at A twenty four for supporting us in in the in, the, in the, giving us the opportunity to really kind of like build out Thai cinematic universe that uh, that now exists here. Yeah, that number's been widely reported, and just looking at the way that you have a town from nineteen eighteen. I guess you got to reuse the set from X. Um, the actors, the fact that you shot it in New Zealand, I was thinking there's absolutely no way this was a million dollars. And if it was, you're the greatest who <laughs> <Yeah>. ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I think that's some misreporting, um, yeah, somewhere. Uh, but uh, no, we were really fortunate to to get that opportunity to get into New Zealand to make X. And, um, and, and if we were, just do a little bit of history, if we go back to, to 2013, actually 2012, that summer, um, Ty West, Jacob Jaffke and I, we were down in Savannah, Georgia to make a movie called The Sacraments. Mm-hmm. And um, and what Ty you know, kind of felt about it is that we built a town in, in The Sacraments. And then to see it go away after, you know, it was only probably four or five weeks of, of production. And everything we built goes away. And it's sort of very sad and, and wasteful. And so he wanted to approach, um, you know, like, you know, because the construction that was done in X was a lot more. And uh, and to, to, to see all that, you know, that art, you know, the, the craftsman, um, 
doing the work to build like the bunkhouse and um and and for it to go away so he conceived an idea of like you know well, what if we were to go back in a prequel and uh and then we could just you know like re revitalize the the location and and that's something that uh you know you know our department is able to do and it was cost effective and that was sort of you know number of reasons why it made sense for uh ultimately the studio to say yes and support you know this sort of vision i mean you know on top of the fact that the pearl script is incredible yeah yeah you get to see the old creaky texas chainsaw massacre farmhouse when it was young and pretty it's a very <laughs> cool you're kind of like going home to old friends and of course you get to see the alligator i guess it's probably the alligator's grandfather i don't know how long they live you know i think you know i think that's yeah it's, it's up for debate of you know of of uh you know because some alligators can i guess uh you know can live quite some time um but uh yeah no all of it was you know and because the decision to make pearl was sort of made early enough in the pre-production of x there was a lot of kind of like you know easter eggs that were planted in the movie and i think if you go back and revisit x it sort of really complements each other and i think that's the fun part i mean it's like you know as the you know as a, as a movie lover it's something that i always enjoy of just seeing how uh integrated you know two movies can be yeah, absolutely. And especially two movies that are six months apart where you can really notice the things freshly as opposed to having to go back and watch it, you know, with a year's difference uh, or more. Can we talk about just your journey to becoming a filmmaker? Like, what did when did you know in childhood okay. that you wanted to do it? I think in high school, um, you know, kind of kind of started really going to the movies and really exploring. Um, so I grew up um in the you know 90s where video stores were you know very popular and we had hollywood video we had blockbuster video um and and you know those were always like you know a place to go and and find like a lot of comfort you know in in being able to like just search and look at movies and, and, and a lot of you know video covers um and so i watched um uh, a lot of different movies and uh kind of really just like got enamored with this concept of like movie making and how um special uh, you know, it is for an audience, you know, where it can just take you to these places. And, um, and, you know, you're in high school. So these are formative years and, you know, now everyone's asking, what do you want to do? And, you know, I said, something, I would love to make movies. And then somebody challenged me like, Oh, you can't do that. You know, you got to know somebody and you go, well, why not? Like free country. And I, you know, as someone who was, um, <clears throat> uh, kind of first born in my family, uh, in the U S you know, I kind of grew up with this idea of like, it's a land of opportunity. And so, I just felt that if I could do the hard work and keep my head down and focus, like, you know, like, you know, I should be able to get there or at least, you know, you know, really feel like I'm giving my all. And so that was the mentality I took and uh, got into, you know, kind of like reading about filmmaking itself early on and was fortunate to get into a, um, like a filmmaking class in my junior year of high school, um, which was this like two day class, uh, two day crash course in filmmaking. And it was one day of line producing and one day of like, all right, what happens after you make the movie? But that day, um, Dov Simmons teaches his class and it still exists today. And like, you know, it really inspired me as like, I think a 16 year old to be like, whoa, you could just like go make his movie. And I think his mantra was like 37 checks you have to write to make a movie. And I was like, all right. And I had a business acumen in high school. I was in like this uh, future business leader America. I was competing in these different competitions. And um, once I got into college, I ran an eBay business. I just had this sort of like business sensibility about me, but I went to school of visual arts is where I met Ty West and uh, in our freshman year. And um, <clears throat> we started, you know, working on short films together, supporting one another. It was a sort of a work ethic that was sort of bonded because, you know, when you see someone else working late at night in the editorial bays, 
Uh, you're just like, oh, cool. What are you working on? And I, you know, I think it started from there. But you know, I just loved movies and and just being around other people who like movies. And then that it kind of started from there. Um, and you know, I watched a lot of different movies. But then I met Ty, and he was so well watched. And uh, and and going to visit um, his hometown um, to go make the short films there, and it would always be like you know, in his family basement like we'd watch you know something and it was always such a you know a good vibe you know and connection and so um i think that really kind of shaped you know you know it's like this is something that's possible and so film school was very formative and in, in basically exposing me to the craft i'm very excited about working with film and editing and and all the elements um and i'm, I'm naturally inclined to a lot of technical stuff so i, I fall into post-production and when you're starting out i mean as a, even you know as a directing major you still need someone to facilitate and produce and and that was something that like became a challenge in making short films it was like somebody's got to focus on that and it's something that i kind of started to naturally fall towards and um and as i got out of sda Ty was fortunate to get um, his first feature finance, and that was by Glass Eye Picks, Larry Pheasant's production company. And Larry, if you, if, if you don't know him, is this incredible East Village uh, filmmaker, um, support of the arts, you know, running this amazing production company that's given, you know, opportunities to so many filmmakers. Um, and so uh, we were so fortunate to go and make The Roost. Um, and a lot of us who went to SVA together worked on that movie, Ty's first feature. And, and that's, you know, started the ball rolling. The Roost went on to play a number of film festivals and it started to like kind of get, um, you know, build the career for both for Ty um, in, in his exposure as a, as a director. And, and then, you know, we kind of regrouped again to make more, you know, films. And this is also when DV video is coming out. So you're getting like more access to being able to make films. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's like your shooting format is important to what you're making, but it's not the most important because at the end of the day, it's still the story and the script and the characters, you know, um, and the journey you're taking your audience on. And so we were able to kind of experiment by making some, you know, really no budget films, um, like, you know, with the with Trigger Man. Um, and then I, at that point, got involved with Larry into producing other filmmakers' movies um, and being on the ground as a, you know, physical producer, line producing, and then it's running... And, you know, when you don't have a lot of, um, you know, resources in terms of budget, you know, you get more, you know, creative and how to approach. Um, and, and I think all that has shaped all of us into being, you know, kind of better filmmakers, because, you know, I think sometimes when you're put in that corner, you can come up with a really great solve. Do you remember Larry Fessenden's son, Jack? 100%, of course. Yeah. We just interviewed him. <laughs> um, obviously he's a filmmaker now he just made that movie Wonder, yeah yeah i have not seen um foxhole yet but uh i'm well aware of it and uh you know i'm very it's yeah it's incredible to see jack um uh you know you know yeah following his father's footsteps as a filmmaker yeah so i have just a million questions for you what where did you grow up i grew up in new york uh in long island specifically um sort of born in manhattan and then uh, a little bit of brooklyn but you know they called back to me because i, I went to school in Manhattan, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I stayed in New York for about yeah thirty five years, and so it was wow. uh, and, you know New York had a thriving independent um, scene. You know there was uh, you know a, a lot of you know people who were really dedicated to making and telling stories, and you know it's one of the greatest cities in the world, and so and really supportive for filmmaking, and especially like I think a little bit more like outside of the box filmmaking, mm -hmm. um, and. Um, yeah, you know, but then, you know, at some point uh, I was gravitated to the West Coast and this is where I'm calling home these days. And it's it's uh, it's been a nice change up. Um, but uh, 
filmmaking has taken me all over the world. I would say that, and uh, and I've been fortunate to travel uh, both for production and uh, and for film festivals. Yeah. Hey, I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker with a few words about our sponsor, Evermoon Media. They're doing something very relevant to me and maybe to you too. Have you ever tried to learn video editing online? Movie Maker posts a lot of interviews on our YouTube channel, and sometimes I watch YouTube instructional videos about video editing, and it's just a huge waste of time. You search for how to move this without moving that, or how to finesse something, and it's just two minutes of a dude pleading with you to sign up for his channel, and then you get to the part you think is going to be relevant to you, and he doesn't explain anything at all. And he's also not going to answer your questions. You think I should have gone to film school, but that's a ton of time and money, and you don't really need film school to do the thing you're trying to do. Happily, happily, there is a great way to learn video editing online. The Evermoon Media Online Video Editing Course, aimed toward beginners, gives you all the tools you need to build a professional video editor demo reel and start getting work. It's a hands-on approach where they give you high-quality footage to edit, and you send it to your instructor, Andrew, for feedback and tips. You can download free assets like templates, presets, SFX libraries, music, and 4K stock footage, and in no time you'll be making ads, corporate videos, wedding videos, or YouTube videos like the ones I post on the Movie Maker account. Sign up free today with no credit card required and try it out for yourself. Just go to evermoonmedia.com slash learn. That's evermoonmedia.com slash learn. And now, back to our show. So how did you end up making X and Pearl in New Zealand? Did you do that after COVID or did you just get really lucky? Because of course, New Zealand is pretty much the only country that was untouched by COVID. I mean, they sealed everything off. They're an island. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly why um, the movie was made there. It was it was basically a, a situation where, you know, the movie set in Texas and Ty and Jacob were working on on kind of figuring out and the opportunity to consider New Zealand came up. And then it just becomes like, OK, well, that makes sense. But is there a location that can work? Yeah. And so they went off and they found this farm uh, outside of Wellington, um, about two hours north, uh, a town called Wanganui. And, um, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, and we've done a lot of location movies in, in our, you know, sort of all history working together. And so, um, uh, yeah, the, you know, I wasn't uh, on the ground with them, um, uh, you know, the pandemic was going on. And so I hung back and, and dealt with uh, all this post-production remotely. And uh, so it was incredible to see the footage start coming in and, and working with our uh, editor, David Kashroff, uh, here in Los Angeles. Um, it was funny because David and I were in the middle of the pandemic here. So we didn't meet in person until the mix. So it was the whole oh year of <laughs> despite being in the same city. So were you doing all of the cloud sharing of files that people are talking about now? Were they able to upload from pretty much anywhere? Um, I mean, if we want to get technical, uh, we can go there. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that was one of the challenges that, you know, I had to kind of quickly figure out um, as like, you know, we uh, committed to working with an editor in LA. We have production going two hours outside of, uh, of I'm sorry, um, Wellington. And Wellington is where our post facility is located, Park Road Post, uh, one of Peter Jackson's companies, and, uh, and our assistant editor, um, Scott uh, Milligan, was posted there, too. Um, and so, essentially, our workflow was getting footage from set down to him, and then he would manage it and then pop it up into the cloud. We're using a system called Edit On Demand by Avid. It was brand new. It was almost like basically beta, uh, but our, our, our friends at Avid were able to kind of quickly get us up and going. 
And we really lean into the system. And, and the reason why is because um, there are other ways of, of editing in the cloud and stuff. This was um, any computer, almost anywhere, um, you don't need a fancy machine. You can just log into the data center where all everything was hosted. And so we chose the data center closest to where David was, so here on the West Coast. And um, you're literally logging into using Teradici, and it basically boots into a Windows PC that opens into an Avid Media Composer that's connected to an Avid Nexus. So an Avid Nexus is your shared Avid storage. And um, and then all the way in Wellington, New Zealand, Scott is able to do the same thing. Wow. And it's, if they're working on-premises together, with the exception of the time difference, right? But then we just use that to advantage. There was always basically a tag team of like, you know, they're, you know, able to communicate with each other, you know, for half a day. And then the other half, you know, someone's just working and then the, and the material is going to be available. It was like, yeah, New Zealand was always a day ahead. So Scott would work into his evening. And then when David would come in, there would be stuff prepared for him. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, and like any new thing, and, you know, it had its fair share of hiccups, but uh, it, it's really, it, you know, it really did work. And we were able to like kind of sustain our, um, our, our schedule. Um, and then once, um, you know, X had wrapped, uh, Ty decides to jump into the edit and kind of focus on that as Pearl was going into prep. And then we did shoot Pearl, you know, essentially back to back. Three weeks later. Uh, four weeks later. Yeah. Four weeks okay. later. You said Ty West did three weeks in a different interview, but close enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's a blur. Unbelievable. So you'd never, you did not set foot in New Zealand for either of these movies. Of course you couldn't travel. You couldn't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately not. But, uh, you know, it's a beautiful country and I got to know uh, and work very closely with, you know, the, you know, the great people of New Zealand. Uh, we did a lot of, you know, these meetings, Zoom meetings. Yeah, it was great. And you supervised all of the posts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah. I mean, I've been doing that sort of like, you know, out of necessity in the early movies. Um, and so it's just a, you know, it's got to get done. And uh and I think Ty and I have such a shorthand that uh, it's, you know, I, you know, it's like, I understand what he's looking for and his expectations. And then, you know, we kind of go do it. And, um, and I think this, the biggest challenge on this was, it was, it was like, Oh, this one movie could turn into two. Oh, it's two movies. And that really meant juggling two full movies and in their finishing calendar while ties in, in, in New Zealand for, you know, basically well over a year. Um, and, uh, while we were finishing X, you know, he's working to, towards the Pearl edit and, uh, and ultimately locking picture before he left New Zealand. I mean, X ends in a way that nicely sets up a sequel with her parents looking for her. Sorry, we're going to spoil her, we're going to spoil X. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily set up a prequel. When did you know there was another sequel coming to with Maxine, the one that's coming out sometime soon? Um, you know, it's time. I mean, he just, um, you know, when he told me about X, he already told me about his idea for Pearl, you know, and it was already exciting because it was like, and you can, and, 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 you know, and his excitement is so contagious, you know, when he just talks about, you know, movies in general, you know, you're just so, you know, eager to kind of hear the stories. And, um, and so I think we were at some point where X was coming out, he's like, I got this idea for where, you know, the story can go next. And, uh, and it's very exciting. And, you know, and I think that's what starts an idea. And the more you kind of talk about it, it evolves. And, uh, you know, he and, and our partners at A24 has just been very supportive. And so, um, uh, yeah, we just look forward to, to, to continuing, you know, to expand this, this university's created. 
So this new one is going to be in some ways easier, I suspect, because I mean, judging from the trailer, they're going to Hall. I mean, Maxine is going to Hollywood like she always wanted. Does that mean you get to shoot it in the same place this time? I mean, are you shooting it in Los Angeles or where does it go? Well, I mean, you know, movie magic, we'll see. I mean, I certainly hope the, the, the certainly the intention is to, to film right here in Los Angeles and Hollywood. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, uh, nothing is ever set. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. There's a lot to still figure out. Um, and, uh, uh, but it's an exciting journey, nevertheless. Yeah, you know, to to return and you know, and, and of course, you know, to have me on board and continue to be on board. I mean, she is what makes this, you know, both films so special. Yeah, Mia Goth, some of the best acting I've ever seen, and I don't mean like in a horror movie or anything like that. I mean, some of the best acting I've ever seen in that segment in Pearl, and also the long oneer. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's two <laughs> very long oneers that are both incredible in their own ways the first one is, is shocking and the second one is like a victory lap it's mm -hmm. it's incredibly good. <laughs> it's an incredibly good yeah. movie um so i'm just excited to see them get into a bigger world because you know previously this has all been around a farmhouse in a small town in 1918 cup you know a couple of other places a church but it seems like now you get to see her actually function in the universe yeah, it, it's going to be um, very exciting to to see, you know, and it's still a period film. So, you know, there's that challenge to to overcome. But, I, you know, I think, you know, we've seen it done um, uh, before. Um, and, and you know, and I think like, you know, Ty is his attention to detail is so, so uncanny. And so, um, you know, it's, it's going to be very exciting uh, once those sets are up and uh, and we're in the world. And, you know, it's going to be a, a vibe. Yeah. Is this it? I mean, do you keep going if if Maxine gets a big reception, everybody keeps saying trilogy. You know, I mean, I don't, you know, honestly, I, I think it's less that and more just, um, you know, kind of like the, the you know, the Ty's inspiration, right? Like, you know, I think, you know, when he's, you know, when he has an idea and he's, you know, keen to make it, I mean, it comes to fruition. Yeah. Um, you may already be doing it. I mean, this is a perfectly <laughs> great thing to, to, to do as your main thing. Um, and I'm, I completely admire it, but is there something that you ultimately want to do? Like, is there kind of a white whale for you? Oh, I mean, um, I don't know. I, yeah. Go to space. Right. Like that's, you know, that's what I want to do. Uh, and quite honestly, like, yeah, I, I have a, um, a deep, uh, love for, for science fiction, um, science fiction horror. And I would hold alien as one of my favorite movies. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, one time, like, um, yeah, Ty did write a script that was set in space, and so um, you know, maybe we get to go there one day. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's something like uh, I've always uh, really liked and continue to like in in in, in you know in other uh, movies, and, and, and you know, and I've worked in video games as well, and so that's a whole other realm that I've gotten to kind of play in. Is there any technology you're really excited about? I just went to SCAD SCAD Animation Festival in Atlanta. And they showed us the volume screen, which is absolutely insane. I don't know if you've worked with one yet. Um, so uh, I've worked, I've worked on a volume. Uh, yeah, in the video game world, um, I've done some um, produce production on some performance capture um, for a title called Until Dawn. It was a uh, PS4 game that was, uh, you know, very much in the world of horror, um, uh, very much similar to the Choose Your Own Adventure style books where you can make decisions in the game so in doing that we got to work in a volume where we're capturing performances uh you know the 
the you know Talon's facial performance, um, and uh, and then like that information is then brought onto the uh, 3D scans that were that were done. Um, but so that's just like the volume, the stage in which you call it um, virtual production, which is like the new thing. Very exciting about what the possibilities are because um, you know when green screen, blue screen um, kind of technology came out and that built a composite I mean, we, you know, start using it heavily and it's heavily, you know, um, useful. Um, but it's not perfect because you're still dealing with the fact that there's a blue or green screen and there's, you know, uh, light off of that, that can bleed, you know, and, and it, it leaves you with a lot of post-production work on the other end of it. Yeah. So now we have virtual production, which is the use of these led screens, um, built into the volume. Some are curved, but they go around these giant walls. And, um, you know, you're seeing Hollywood use it, you know, a lot more really pushing the the end. But um, what's really driving it is a gaming engine called, uh, it's Unreal 5, I believe, is the new gaming engine. Um, and, um, you know, it's a video game engine. And what's happening is that it's basically rendering things live. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and what's very cool about it is that then you can create, like, you can scout a real world location, recreate it in the gaming engine and have a lot of abilities to adjust it. And then also manipulate the light, you know, on command. So you can sit in golden hour all day and have that naturally light your set. And, you know, if you kind of design the elements correctly, you can have it, you know, um, a, a foreground set that's practical and, um, and that's, but it's lit off the screen. So I think there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, potential for what that offers and sort of savings. Now, some things like, you know, we'll never make up for being there in person, right? Um, but, you know, this is like, I think, you know, uh, as filmmaking evolves, you know, we'll see, you know, all technology improve. And um, and I'm also seeing it. What's interesting is I'm seeing people in the community doing it on a lower budget scale, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like what they can do in their own apartment is just kind of wild, um, you know, let alone a big screen. So it is something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm paying attention to quite actively and um, and eager to use more. Uh, I produced a music video where we use the the video screen. Now a lot of also like car shots are done and you know, we call it a process shot um, where we used to pull the cars on trailers around, you know, the city. But now you can get, you know, your plates shot ahead of time and then pop them up on these video screens and the car rolls in and, um, you know, if done right, like, you know, uh, the audience shouldn't be paying attention to that anyway, right? So, <laughs> right. Unless it's uh, bad, and then you do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but, you know, movie magic, I think, you know, I think that's, you know, I mean, look, when we were watching Star Wars, I mean, like, you know, like, you know, like Lucas brought us into space, you know, you know, and so, I mean, I think, you know, and we all believe it, right? So, you know, it's that suspension of belief is what we're, you know, what it's all about anyway. So, but I'm excited about, you know, you know, where technology goes. I mean, because, you know, I think the cameras, I think we're peaking at a level how much more you know resolution we can get um and and still bring it into the house for everyone to see because i think right now most consumption is getting on smaller screens you know yeah yeah, yeah. i still love going to the theaters and i was so grateful for x to come out at a time when the theaters had reopened um it was a great reason to go back to the movies um and now with pearl out um two in one year it's just a dream how did you pearl is 100 percent a movie to see in a theater it just is or in a gigantic screen screen how did you get that Technicolor feel? How did you reproduce that, that I think really has to be seen on a big screen? Um, well, that's something that like Ty was um, very uh, kind of keen to, to, to establish early on. And so there was a lot of look development 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're working with our team at Parkwood Post. Um, uh, Dini McConnell is our colorist. And um, so Ty worked with uh, him to kind of create uh, an initial kind of look for what the movie could be based on some in some test footage. And, you know, the, the digital and immediate interface is like, uh, it's so powerful what it can do. Um, and so we already had done that look development on previous films, but on this, uh, for X had a very specific look, especially with the 35 and the 16. Um, and so we wanted to really go a different direction with Pearl. Um, and, um, but it's the same camera. So- No, um, really? Yeah. It's, oh yeah, my God. It's Sony. Sony Venice and, and we filmed it 4K at, at pretty much you know full resolution, basically raw. Um, so we're capturing all that information. It's a lot of data, uh, which is preserved, but then you know, you kind of like you know, uh down res it to a couple different flavors that are gonna be for dailies and for editorial media. And something that like Ty um has done in all his previous films is to kind of implement um what we call that LUT. Um, and burn it into the dailies. So you have an initial look that's burned into the dailies so that everyone who's seen the dailies um, kind of has a, a strong idea of what the movie is supposed to look like. Now, when the movie is done uh, in editorial and we go back to finishing, we go back to that raw footage, um, you know, lose a lot, start over, get it to a place. And um, But I'd also say that, you know, it's not just, you know, the kind of post, you know, effects on color. I mean, the production design, the cops design played heavily into um the look of pearl you know mm-hmm. and using the colors these bright colors to really shine through um so it was all strategized um from the start and um you know and and, and uh you know it's it's because ty has it in his head you know he's just uh um visionary in that way and for anybody who's not into color the lut is basically the palette is that a way to explain it it's sort of yeah, it's it's um yeah, I think the LUD itself is like it's like the the you know like a lookup table, but it's a conversion, the digital conversion of like what the camera sees and how it's supposed to look. And mm-hmm. so um you're using a color correction tool to create the settings and when you like the way it looks, like what you see is what you get, and then like you save that file out and that's your LUT, and that can be put into the camera um as a as a reference, you know. But then what's always exciting is that everything is preserved like naturally. So you have so much latitude in where you can go. Yeah, you're, you're not locked in. Um, which is a little different from like when we used to film uh, on, on, on 35 or on 16, uh, which is just a slightly different workflow, but that's where you need to work with an you know, experienced DPs that really understand the latitude of that negative. So like the, the simple example would be, she's wearing a red dress. You want it to have like a little more copper in it or something like that. And that's what the, the lot table helped you adjust? Right, yeah. It, it 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 can it can really isolate that color and 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 basically mute out you know other colors and so if that's like what you're doing so then every time the camera sees that color it will just you know naturally do that it's not perfect you know because you're not doing a like you know some kind of specific color treatment for every shot you know it's just a broad lot yeah I'm asking all these questions maybe because I talked to a filmmaker today a very indie you know rising filmmaker who said their producers didn't think they needed a colorist and people need a colorist. They do. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, because I deal with post, you know, I, you know, and, and when we have um, a distribution partner early on, you know, it's always important to you know think about, you know, what, are, what do we get working towards? What's our end elements and how are we delivering? And then I kind of work backwards in, in that. And, you know, and I've always been such a, a uh, you know, you know, kind of like, um, 
I love preserving quality uh, resolution as much as possible. So whatever we're filming on, whatever, you know, that medium is, let's preserve that quality, you know, uh, th throughout the whole process. Whether or not we need that, you know, super high resolution, I think having it gives us more options in the end. Um, and, uh, but now, you know, we're seeing, um, you know, you know, 4K TVs are out, you know, and so like Ultra HD, is is an option for people who who want that and i mean that's the way i like watching movies when i'm, I'm renting them at home is in the highest resolution like that's the way the, the filmmaker intended um but then you know there's the other flavors there's the hd and 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 i just i suspect i guess you know maybe standard def may exist somewhere but um uh yeah, yeah it's something that i think is important you know working out and so you know having that workflow and getting your you know, your post partner early on can help you establish that final look. Um, and, you know, so I don't think you have to carry them necessarily colors on the whole run of show, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's, you know, it just depends on, you know, your budget ultimately and like, and how you want to use your resources. Um, but I do think like having a session with the colorist early on in pre-production, um, you know, ideally in conjunction with the camera test. So when you're going out to film with different lenses and different cameras and you're trying to see, um, you know, ideally you have a full makeup and costume test as well. So we can really get that. Then you can take it into the DI, play with it and see how much, you know, it's going to be able to, you know, go from, you know, you know, checking, you know, all the contrast, everything. Um, and then it's informative, you know, but, you know, like, you know, at the same time, like, could, could you, could you do without, Absolutely. We've done it, you know, for, you know, years before, you know, this technology became available. So um, this is maybe this is a technical question, but it's also maybe a spoilery question. So feel free to go like, sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> but the reference points for for X, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is obviously a big one for Pearl. Wizard of Oz is obviously a big one. Do you have reference points for Maxine? Because looking at that, like the VHS and also that silver logo which i'm just kind of fascinated by that metallic logo i can't quite put my finger on it it's kind of cronenbergy um do well, you, I, you know that's a good, that's a great that's a great um uh description i mean i think you know like i don't have any specifics per se um i would say that that like you know you know each of these movies represent an era of filmmaking and that's the kind of mantra that ties taking into this third one um and it's 1985 um yeah those titles are very exciting and um our, our longtime um uh collaborator neil jonas did the titles in both x and pearl and and this little maxine teaser yeah yeah i'm getting verhoeven and cronenberg vibes um, which I love because it's so very, I mean, Verhoeven is pretty online thematically with, but I'm just guessing, I'm just throwing yeah. out guess. Well, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all that. It's like, you know, cause I just, I'm picturing like, you know, the video store with all the VHS box covers and it's like when, you know, movies were coming left and right. And it was like, you know, a, a, a new era of filmmaking, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And why, why haven't you made the space movie yet? Is it, was it a budget thing or is it just that you've been too busy with these? Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the time it was certainly a budget thing because, you know, it costs, you know, quite a bit of money to build a spaceship and, and, and to do it. Um, and, you know, and I think Ty is so, he's so fast, you know, he, he wrote Pearl with Mia while he was in lockdown in New Zealand and, you know, and the lockdown is about two weeks and, you know, he, he, he's really, 
um, has such a strong worth ethic to to do that. Um, and I think with with um, with that project, like it didn't go, and he just kind of moved on mm-hmm. to the next thing. And then you know, I, I think you know, every now and then we would you know talk about you know, oh, could, would we ever go back there? Um, and uh, you know, and it's like you know, maybe, but you know, like right now, like he's he's here, and uh, you know, it was it was the same thing when we were after I believe it was like yeah after the sacrament, you know, he kind of felt like you know he'd done what he could in horror with you know the means that that, that were available. And so the opportunity to make a Western, which was something that, you know, also another cinematic world that's, you know, come before us. And so to get to do that, and, you know, I think, you know, he's good to put it out in the world. And then, you know, it eventually kind of comes, you know, back to him. And we got to make that film. And then, um, and after the last number of years not making uh, films, you know, he went off to direct uh, a lot of series work and hone his craft. You know, he, he was really committed to being like, I feel so seasoned that I want to bring that craft into um, my own movies. And so that's, you know, that's what we see. And you see a love for cinema in in in, in, in X and Pearl. And, and I assure you that you'll see it even more in, in Maxine. It's going to be real fun. The last, last thing I want to ask, I know that the Oscars are not very nice to horror movies, um, <laughs> but I truly, when I, I really did mean it when I said, I think her acting is some of the best acting I've ever seen. Is it worth mounting an Oscar campaign or is that just someone else's decision? I mean, it's, you know, it's, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, I think, you know, getting people to see the movie and I think if enough people see the movie, I think it will come through, you know, to light, you know, on its own. I mean, it's an incredible performance. There's no denying that. And, you know, we were, you know, so um, blessed to have uh, Martin Scorsese speak so highly of the film um, the last two weeks. And so it's, that's just been such a warm blanket <laughs> for, you know, all of us. Um, and uh, it's, it's really great. 